playing 359. This might be a new song for some, but I believe we've sung this song before. It's called Sunlight. Beautiful song, 359. I wandered in the shades of night till Jesus came to me. And with the sunlight of his love made all my darkness flee. Sunlight, sunlight in my soul today. Sunlight, sunlight all along the way. Since the Savior found me, took away my sin. I have had the sunlight of his love within. How many of you have sang this song for the first time? All right, not too many. We'll just keep on singing. We've got four more verses, so if you don't get it by then, we'll do it another Sunday, all right? Though clouds may gather in the skies and billows round me roll, however dark the world may be, I've sunlight in my soul. Sunlight, sunlight in my soul today. Sunlight, sunlight all along the way. Since the Savior found me, took away my sin, I have had the sunlight of His love within. While walking in the light of God, I free communion find. I press with holy vigor on and leave the world behind. Sunlight, sunlight in my soul today. Sunlight, sunlight all along the way. Since the Savior found me, took away my sin. I have had the sunlight of His love within. I cross the wide extended fields, I journey o'er the plain. And in the sunlight of His love, I reap the golden grain. Sunlight, sunlight in my soul today. Sunlight, sunlight all along the way. Since the Savior found me, took away my sin, I have had the sunlight of His love within. Soon I shall see Him as He is, the light that came to me. Behold the brightness of His face throughout eternity. Sunlight, sunlight in my soul today. Sunlight, sunlight all along the way. Since the Savior found me, took away my sin, I have had the sunlight of His love within. Amen. And 347, a couple pages over. Happy in the love of Jesus. Home to Zion we are bound, happy in the love of Jesus. This abiding we have found, happy in the love of Jesus. Happy, happy, singing all the way, happy all the day. Trusting we will forward go, happy in the love of Jesus, treading, changing paths below, happy in the love of Jesus, happy, happy, singing all the way, happy all the day, happy, happy, 
salvation's song, happy in the love of Jesus. All our pilgrim way alone, happy in the love of Jesus. Happy, happy, singing all the way, happy all the day. song 328 328 blessed be the ties that bind amen 328 blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in christian love the According to our count, we had 102 this morning, and uh, praise the Lord for that. We had not only our visitors from California and Illinois, but uh, I think Peter told me he counted 10 first-time visitors this morning, and uh, just different people who had uh, uh, heard of the ministry and just showing up, and so uh, praise the Lord. In fact, we had one family that was here this morning. And they're here in the Russian language services tonight. They're from Virginia. And he's up here doing construction uh, work. So we praise the Lord uh, for that. And uh, we've been praying for Jesus Aldegar for several uh, months, actually. And two of the four tests he passed. His mom is here on Thursday night. She works uh, in home health care on the weekend. So she's seldom here on Sundays. But... Uh, uh, she wanted to praise the Lord. She was just absolutely excited and said, Now I need you to pray for my daughter. She's got all the same tests coming up. So, uh, But we praise the Lord that he is answering prayer. Any other answers to prayer that uh, 
Okay, well, amen. Praise the Lord. Okay, good for Ann. Amen. Yes, uh, had an opportunity. The carpet is now here for downstairs. All 226 pieces. And uh, don't worry, that's, that's absolutely nothing compared to about the 840-some pieces that have to be scraped up first. And, uh, but uh, the truck driver was from Ghana, of all places. And uh, I said, well, my brother-in-law just uh, headed off to Ghana uh, just yesterday. And we, he, he told me on the phone when he told the delivery, he said, now, I'm delivering to a church. You have the word for me. And uh, so we, uh, I, I gave him quite a bit to think about. He, he thought he was a Pentecostal or a charismatic preacher. And uh, so we went through a few things, and his eyes got about as big around the saucer plates. And he says, oh, you give me a lot to think about. And so we'll see what happens there. Okay, his name is Job. But uh, just praise the Lord for opportunities to give the gospel. Had a lot of tracts passed out yesterday on visitation. In fact, we had a visitor this morning that uh, one of the crew from California met up with yesterday on the lives right over here just a block away um, he was work had been working all night and so uh, I think he fell asleep and got upset with himself but uh, I mean anybody talks to me I, I used to work graveyard get off at 730 in the morning go to church I'd rather have you asleep in church than asleep at home missing church amen it, it goes in it really does uh, so any other praises to add to the list here brother Ted others okay and If you need a prayer list, raise your hand there. Brother George has got some extras. He'll pass them out. Okay, Joya. Huh? Oh, yes. We well, praise the Lord. The puking has stopped in the Montoro household. And uh, it was some strange little 24-hour, 36-hour virus. Little Lucian started. Uh, when was that? Uh, Wednesday afternoon or, or Tuesday? 
Tuesday night, and then one crew got it, and the next crew got it. And I, I think the only ones that uh, passed unscathed was, uh, who was it, Andrew and uh, a Andrew and Esther, uh, were the only two that got got away without anything. No, Esther's teething. That's her problem. All right, uh, Sharon. Okay. Well, it, actually, his grandmother is is Romanian. She's a she's a Baptist from Romania. Oh, okay. Pentecostal. Okay, but uh, okay. Well, hopefully, we'll see her back. But her grandson is unsaved, and so he got it today. So good. Praise the Lord for that. All right. Paul. Amen. Ron. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these many testimonies of things that you have done. We thank you that just so shortly after our first street fair, we've already had people visiting because of the tracks handed out. We thank you, Lord, that uh, for all the visitors this morning, and Lord, for uh, Jesus doing well on his t first two tests. And, and uh, Lord, we're just thankful that you care about all these things. We thank you for opportunities to witness. We thank you for the the tracks doing uh, a work. Lord, sometimes we we feel that we're we're just uh, doing the same thing over and over again. Yet, Lord, you you remind us on days like today when we have ten visitors showing up that passing out the tracks and doing those things faithfully is is. Where get, what opens a door for you to do the work that only you can do. Lord, we're thankful for Olga joining the church this morning. We're thankful for uh, just all of the things. We're thankful for life and health. And Lord, just the ability to be called your servants. In Jesus' name, amen. Brother Franz? All right, let's stand. Turn to page 471. Page 471, he the pearly gates will open. Amen. 471. Love divine so great and wondrous, deep and mighty, pure sublime, coming from the heart of Jesus, just the same through test of time.
Tonight, uh, figured we would do something just a little different and uh, just take a journey through the Bible and look at what God does with sin. Uh, how many of you heard the story of the little boy went into the... Uh, Mama was having a lot of problems with him. And uh, uh, he was... Uh, just acting up and so the uh, she said I'm going to take you and I'm going to let you talk to the pastor and she'd already been in there talking to the pastor and so the pastor sat him down he had this whole thing he was going to do and he started pacing back and forth and soon he looked that little boy in the eye and he says where's God and the little boy's eyes got pretty big and he paced back and forth again, and the pastor asked him again, Where's God? And, of course, what the pastor was trying to do was trying to impress upon that little boy that God was everywhere and saw everything. He got up and went running out of that office, and uh, his mom said, What did that preacher say to him? He said, He lost God, and he's trying to blame it on me. And uh, I'll tell you, we gotta we gotta be careful. And as we study our scripture, there's a lot of things that we can give impressions of, and sin is one of those things. Uh, I mean, uh, I think it was uh, 
which one was it? Was it? Uh, it was one of our presidents. He went to hear a sermon, and he said the preacher preached on sin. He said, "Well, what did he say about it? He was against it, and that's all he said." And uh, uh, we're against sin, amen. But God has some things that He does with sin, and uh, we're just going to go through. And uh, I have them actually arranged here in alphabetical order, and so we're just going to jump down through. And I've I've only got um, 14 points, okay? So uh, we'll try to finish before we have to get on the plane. I have to get on the plane tomorrow morning, head to Oklahoma City. I, I think we'll get that done. Romans chapter five, verse eleven. Uh, this is a wonderful thing, a wonderful point, and we need to maybe define just a little finer point here. Romans chapter five and verse eleven. It says, "And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ." by whom we have now received the atonement. The context, verse 12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Now, atonement is a word that is not normally found in the New Testament. It is an Old Testament word for the most part, the idea of atonement. You have the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, uh, that is still celebrated uh, in some fashion in the Jewish community today. Normally, what happens on Yom Kippur is you're supposed to contemplate all of the bad things you've done and, and think about how you can live a, a better life. That has nothing to do with atonement. Atonement, if you'll remember, goes back to the Old Testament tabernacle. Uh, later on in the temple, it was the day the high priest sprinkled the blood on the mercy seat, atoning for the sins of Israel. Now, the idea of an atonement, according to the Old Testament law, it was temporary. It had to be repeated every year. The idea of atonement is the idea of the rolling back. Aren't you glad God has not judged you for everything that you ever have and ever will do? He could do that right now. But this thing called atonement is rolling back the penalty. What God did was from the time that Adam and Eve sinned, there was an atonement made with that sacrifice. And that sin rolled one step closer to Calvary. When Abel offered his sacrifice, there was an atonement made. And that, that sin was pushed a little closer to the cross. Now, what happened on the cross was not atonement. Read the book of Revelation. We'll get to that. That was redemption. Atonement took care of sin so that God could pay for it his way in his time. See, this idea of uh, maybe we'll, well, we've got forgives coming up here in about five points, but we bandy about this word forgiveness a lot. 
uh, when we do something wrong, uh, you ought to ask people to forgive you for the wrong that you've done. But we get this idea, well, you hurt me, but I'll forgive you. Wait a minute. That kind of forgiveness is foreign to the Scripture, and it's foreign to common sense as well. I mean, okay, you hurt me, you injured me, and I'm just going to pretend it didn't happen. Does that make sense? Somebody once said, let's just... Uh, you know, uh, one of the little phrases we use when you get into a, a problem or a struggle with somebody, let's just bury the hatchet, you know, going back to the Indian. But uh, the the counter to that is when someone does bury the hatchet, they never forget where they buried it. A lot of truth. There's a lot more truth to that statement than there is to just burying the hatchet now, isn't there? Forgiveness is not based upon the benevolence and the goodness of your character. Otherwise, forgiveness would be a very shallow subject, wouldn't it? I mean, how good are you? How much goodness do we have in ourselves? Well, the Bible says the heart's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. It says, for all have sinned to come short of the glory of God. It says there's none righteous, no, not one. You don't have a very much boundary to base your forgiveness of another person upon you or your goodness, forgiveness always deals with payment. When you were forgiven your sins in the Old Testament, there was a sacrifice involved, was there not? If you had defiled something holy, you had, uh, let's say you were there at the um, tabernacle and, and someone was offering their sacrifice and and uh, you happened to be one of those uh, exceptionally clumsy people and tripped and messed up and stepped on the sacrifice. You spoiled that thing. You had to pay that sacrifice back. You had to add 20% to it, and then you had to offer another sacrifice for messing up theirs or defiling that other person's sacrifice. I mean, there was, there was a lot that went into this thing called forgiveness. And it all goes back to this idea of atonement. God said, I am the only one that can deal with sin. I will deal with it in my way, in my time. And that's why we have joy in God through the Lord Jesus Christ because we've received the atonement through what Jesus Christ has done. He took our sins and transferred them from our lives and our times to this place called Calvary where he took care of it. Amen? Isn't that a wonderful thought? It's not what you and I do that pays for sin. It's what God has done that pays for sin. Look at 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5. And uh, this is a verse if you... Uh, I do not recommend that you listen to the tele-evangelist and the radio preachers and things, but... Uh, if you've uh, had much experience with them, you'll hear this verse preached inside out. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, 
that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, this is what God does with sin. He took Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, had never sinned once, never once transgressed God's law. It says he made him to be sin for us. Now, has anyone here ever heard some guy on television or radio preach about how Jesus became a sinner in our place and God made him an adulterer and God made him a murderer and God made him... Has anybody ever heard anybody preach like that? I'll tell you, I heard one guy almost threw the radio across the room except the fact that I like my radio. But, I mean, that was... That was... Uh, that's a blasphemy. And uh, I, I never knew anybody could be so... Uh, well, the word's dumb. Uh, to actually think that Jesus became a sinner, that's not what it says. It says He became sin for us. Now, that's a fairly... Uh, complex and it's a difficult thought. I mean, you get up a bunch of commentaries and you'll have just about as many different ideas, but let the Bible be its own commentary. Is there another place in the Bible where God uses the word sin just like He does here? Well, there absolutely is. In fact, we talked about it this morning just a little bit. We bypassed the verse totally, uh, and not totally, we, we didn't deal with it in depth this morning. Genesis chapter 4 and as God is talking to Cain in verse 7, he says, If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. Now, it wasn't the idea that sin itself was lying at the door waiting to ensnare Cain. If he was walking out, there was no door to walk out. Cain didn't need a house. The environment was perfect and all of these things. He was talking about one of Abel's sheep. The sacrifice for sin was right there. He said, listen, all you have to do is turn around and there's one of Abel's sheep. Pick it up and offer it. Sin lieth at the door. That's what this verse means. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus became the sacrifice for our sins. He took upon him, just as if, uh, if you'll remember in the Old Testament, when you sacrificed an animal, you were to lay your hands upon the head of that animal and you were to confess your sins. What God was allowing you to do, in essence, was transfer your guilt to that animal, that animal died in your place so you could live. And again, it ties right in with this idea of atonement. That animal died. The final punishment was rolled back until God himself, in the person of Jesus Christ, died and shed his blood to pay the price for our sins. And so um, we... We look at this verse and it says, It made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. Now, there's, there's a wonderful thought there. In First Peter chapter 2, verse 24, let me just read you the verse. It says, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we, 
being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye are healed. Jesus atoned for sins. He made him to be sin for us. He bore our sins. I love 1 John. It says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Can I tell Hannah's story again? Can I tell your story again? She doesn't even remember it. But, uh, oh, I guess she was probably about two and a half or three. Hannah is petrified of things. And uh, she'd been eating pancakes and got some syrup on her hand and got one of Mama's long hairs attached to that syrup. And she thought that hair was alive. And it was chasing her through the house because everywhere Hannah went, that hair went with it. And she was just screaming bloody murder. I thought somebody had picked up an axe or something and, and, uh, or, or some, uh, something horrible had happened. And, and here she's shaking that hand and that hair's just going everywhere. And the more she sees it move, the more upset she gets. And Isn't that the way we behave when we mess up and allow sin into our lives? It's a horrible thing. We just hate it. And we sit there and we go, Oh, Lord, how could I do such a horrible? It's terrible. Well, what God does is we confess that sin. But it says he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Before I let her go, I made sure that those hands were washed thoroughly and the syrup was off so she didn't pick up another hair and get scared again five minutes later. Amen? That's what God does to us when he cleanses us from our sin. We confess the ones we know. He takes care of the ones that we don't know. Isn't that a wonderful thought? I mean, I don't know about you, but that's encouraging. I mean, that helps us live. I mean, God is taking care of us. And, uh, but before we get too comfortable in God's cleansing, God also condemns sin. Look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 3. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Now, uh, I hope you don't mind hearing me say this. I'll probably say it a thousand times in the next uh, 50 years if God allows me to live that long. But if you want to know what God thinks about sin, read the stories about Calvary. Read about the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ. If that doesn't help you understand how much God hates sin. Now, remember who Jesus is. He is God the Son. Isaiah 53, it said, Yet it pleased Him to bruise Him. Now, if, if a parent enjoys inflicting pain upon their children, we call them a criminal, do we not? Yet God 
it says, was pleased to inflict punishment and pain and suffering upon his son so that the fact that Jesus, as he was hanging on the cross, cried out in the darkness, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Yet, that was not purposeless. Only God could handle God's own condemnation of sin and survive. And so, God condemned sin the strongest way he could in allowing his son, who is God, to suffer the eternal condemnation of God for our sins. Now, how does God turn his back upon himself? I don't know. But that's what happened on the cross. God put his hand over the sun and shut out the light. He said, I'm not going to look upon my son as he is bearing the sins of all mankind. All of us. You know, one of the things that I, I enjoy about being up here is I look out and I can see that everybody here took some care and some carefulness about themselves before they came to church. Uh, that's a wonderful thought. I mean, if everybody came with three days uh, shaving and not take a bath for a week and all of that kind. Of, I've been I've been in missions where they do that. That's that's not so much fun to preach to those guys, and uh, it, and it it shows that they just don't care about themselves or anybody or anything else. Just as you took care to put on your clothes and be here in a presentable fashion. God took care to take every sin that was ever sinned and weigh it upon the shoulders of His Son as He hung there on the cross. God condemns sin. What do we do? We try to make excuses for it, don't we? That's, that's what we do. We need to understand that God hates sin. God condemns sin. There is not one sin that is permissible. There is not one sin that you can sin that something nice is going to happen. I don't care uh, how nice your little lie is. And, and by the way, do not use the truth as an excuse to be mean and cruel to other people. I mean, have you ever met anybody? Well, I'm just telling the truth. Oh, come on. Give us a break. You're ugly too, but I didn't say anything about it. Amen? Uh, I mean, let's, let's just be honest. The, the whole thing that we're doing here is, as human beings, our heart is bound to make some type of excuse for sin. God does not. He condemns it. And if you and I would learn to do that, it would save us so much trouble. It would keep us out of so many problems if we would just condemn sin 
for what it is. And, and I mean, it's habitual. You ever try to drive in New York City? I, I mean, you try to obey the speed limits and everybody runs you over, right? Uh, I'm just keeping up with the flow of traffic. Excuse. I mean, I've constantly. I was on the way to the hotel this morning to pick up the crew from uh, California. And uh, I popped down on that Grand Central and I'm thinking, wow, I'm cruising down. I said, well, wait a minute, speed limit, 50 miles an hour. No. One of the few times you could actually do the speed limit a little better. And you, well, wait a minute, let's, hey, God condemns sin. You say, but that's such a little, wait a minute. It wouldn't be a little thing. Remember this story just happened, I think it was last night or the weekend, or just sometime in the last two days, some guy had a problem with his car, and he ran across the highway to get something out of his car, and a drunk driver came up and ran him right over. Now, the guy should not have been crossing the highway. That's not smart. Don't cross highways. Please, just wait for the police to come and get you. It's a lot safer. But the guy was speeding, the guy was drinking, and the guy murdered another human being that would not have had to die if he were not committing those sins. I'll tell you, it happens. God condemns sin. Let me read Acts 5.31 to you. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Aren't you glad God forgives sins? We said we were getting there. God's forgiveness is not based upon his benevolence toward us. That God is, I'm, I, I've heard people say, well, I'm, I'm bigger than that. I'm not going to allow that to affect me. You know something, when, when people tell me that, I, I get a little nervous. Because we're not bigger than that. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but it's the names that really hurt me. Isn't it? God forgives. How many of you remember the story of the 10,000 talents versus the 100 pence? Do we need to go through that again? 10,000 talents, 16 million days work, I believe is what it works out to be in today's wages. $100 a day would take you 16 million days of labor to pay back 10,000 talents. The Lord said, ah, forget about it, I forgive you. He went out, found his fellow pence who owed him a hundred pence, a hundred days wages. Let's put it in proper perspective. If somebody owed you a hundred days wages, that could easily be $10,000 before it's indexed for inflation, right? Uh, not a small sum of money, but I dare say any one of us in this room if we had a debt of $10,000, if we were honest and diligent and strove 
and worked hard and planned, we could pay a $10,000 debt off. Um, not so with the 10,000 talents. It would take you 100 lifetimes, and you would still owe money. That is our sin debt toward God. When God forgives us for our sins, that is the basis upon which we can forgive others because there is no human being in this world that has injured you or could possibly injure you as much as you have already done injury to a holy God. It is Christ's payment on the cross that allows us to forgive. It is the basis of all forgiveness. Christ paid. He forgave my sin based upon His own payment for my sin. He didn't just say, Oh, forget about it. Uh, And this is a problem with so many religions. You go into a church and, and they'll tell you, Listen, you just do the best you can and God understands. Anytime someone tells me God understands, I said, yes, he does. That's because that's why he made Calvary. That's why Jesus went to the cross. That's how much God understands. There's got to be a payment involved. And the payment always exceeds the debt. Otherwise, the payment has not been made. You say, but but when I pay my debt off, I've paid it off. I haven't exceeded it. Well, just look at your statement. There's usually this nasty little thing called interest involved. They have these new 40-year loans for your homes. That's a wonderful thing. Your payments are so low. But uh, just look at the uh, amateurization on a 40-year loan. You buy a $500,000 house, you've paid for it three times twice to the bank and once to yourself in 40 years. That's not possible. I don't have a million and a half dollars. Never will. (laughs) Look at the amateurization, my friend. It works. There's a reason why they add that extra 10 years. It's because it's all interest. It's all gravy on top. It's a scary thing. God paid our debt. It is His payment that allows us. Verse Acts 26, 18, Paul's preaching again. It says, To open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive the forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Wow, what a message. God forgives Sin. Let me, let me get one more in. We'll get halfway through. Maybe we'll try to finish the rest of it next Sunday night. Uh, God gave himself for our sins. Galatians 1.4, Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. Now, let's just be very blunt for a moment and we'll be done. There's not a one of us as believers in Jesus Christ that has not been tempted to go jump in the pigsty of the world. We have been tempted to go slop with the hogs of this world. Now, those are farming terms. If you've ever lived on a farm, 
uh, I'll tell you, you'd only have to see the hogs get slopped once before you'd really understand uh, what I'm talking about. How many people have ever seen a hog get slopped? I mean, it, it'll, that, that's when you feed the pigs. Uh, you take uh, the mushy cereal that's left over in the breakfast bowls and, the, and uh, the cankered baked potatoes from last night and whatever anybody didn't eat before. And uh, you, on the farm, you don't throw it in the garbage. You just scrape it into a bucket and you leave it sit there. And uh, any milk that goes stale, oh, man, just pour it right in there. If the cream sours, ah, just dump it in the hog bucket and stir it all up. And You just pour that out, and them hogs, mmm. Uh, don't get your fingers in between a hog and a slop. He'll just chew them right up right with the hog slop. That's what sin is like. And many of you could give testimonies. You've been at the trough of this world. And sometimes as Christians, we get tempted to go back. But if you really stop and think about what's in the trough, you can't go back. Look what it says here. It's in Galatians. It says that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. We do not have to be apart of what's going on out there. We do not have to pull up a chair to the hog trough of this world and look at the rotten swillings, the leftovers, and yet, how many of us could give testimony as Christians to have turned from the graciousness, from the pure milk of the gospel, from the meat of this word, to the rotten filth of this world. That's what sin is. That's what we do each time we sin against the Holy God. It says, He gave Himself that He might deliver us. Here's the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. The just man falleth seven times and riseth yet again. You know what? We might fall down. You might get a little mud on you. You might... Uh, even decide to sit down to the hog trough, but you can't stay there very long. Because God wants to deliver us from this present evil world. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you are doing and what you have done with sin. Lord, we're thankful that this is not just an exercise in theology, but an exercise in what you are doing in our present lives as we are assembled even here together. We ask that you would give us an understanding of what you do with sin, that we may live more holy for you. In Jesus' name we pray. And before we finish that prayer, we'll just take a moment. If you need to come and spend a moment in prayer at the altar, the altar is open.